So we've been uh, going through this series called NUMA, and we've got to part number three today. And what this series is all about, if you haven't been here before, it's all about uh, um, something called the Holy Spirit. The word NUMA was a Greek word that the New Testament believers uh, adopted to the Holy Spirit, and it means breath or it means wind. And we've been going through this series, and, uh, and I've been delighted. I had some really po- good positive uh, feedback about uh, what we've been talking about. And today, uh, we've got to a point where uh, we've got to kind of a controversial point of uh, what in churches people believe and don't believe. What we've been talking about so far, I think the majority of churches would believe. And today, we're, we're going to look at something that some churches don't believe. But as I study the Bible, I can't get away from it. It's, not, it's something that we can't not teach because the Bible is very evident about it. And so, as we go through this today, I want you to kind of be open to actually what the Bible says and not what maybe you've learned in the past about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've had a past church experience. Maybe you grew up um, and learning a certain theology. And I want you to be open and just really look at the words of what the Bible says today. But before we get into that, you know, when I grew up, when I grew up, I was one of those kids who always said, why? Like my mom would ask me to do something. I'd be like, why? Why should I do that? And, and I went to school and it was no different. And so I would sit in class at school and the teacher would be teaching and I would be the one who raised my hand and say, why do we need to know this? And, uh, and, and, and I'd be in math class and I'd be like, why do I need to know this? How is this going to help me in life? We'd be in English literature and I'd be like, why do I need to read this book? I mean, is this really going to help me in life? And I would be in Spanish class and I'd be like, why do I need to know Spanish? I mean, like the whole world speaks English, so why do I need... That's like American English people, they think that, right? And so I would be like, why, why do I need to know this? And teachers get really offended. Teachers here this morning, we got teachers in our, in our church. And you're really passionate about your subject, like math teachers, really passionate about solving problems. And when someone questions why we need to know this, I know you get offended. So sorry if I'm one of those kids who offended you at one point. But I always wanted to know, and so the, kid, the, ch- the teachers would always get offended, and they would be like, just because, you need to know this, because. And I remember one teacher turned around and says, you know, what, what you are learning, you may not specifically use this specific thing in the future, but we are lear- teaching you principles that will be used in the future. And so I came out of Spanish class, I did five years of Spanish, and it's the only F I've ever got in my life, and so it's five years of Spanish, I get an F. I'm like, why do I need to know this? And I marry a girl who speaks Spanish. My mother-in-law didn't speak any English, and it's fantastic, you know? So I needed that Spanish. And then I was like, I hated reading books. I read about three books my entire life until I was about 21, and then I became a pastor, and I realized that you have to read and read and read all the time. And so I realized it was good. And then, like, last year, uh, two years ago, we were uh, remodeling our home, and I suddenly started realizing all this math that was coming back. I was having to do these measurements. I'm like, whoa, they were right. I needed this stuff in life. I think when it comes to the Christian faith, it comes to God and especially the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we ask, why do we need this stuff? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? I mean, isn't Jesus enough for us? Jesus died for our sins. You know, we were once going to hell. Jesus died for our sins. We believe in Jesus. And now we got the get out of hell card and we're going to heaven. Why do we need anything else? 
And my answer to you this morning is because the Holy Spirit is almost to your body like oxygen is to your body. You need the Holy Spirit more than what you ever imagined. And you can't live this Christian life, this Christian faith, and be successful in this Christian life without the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit is something that we need and it is important. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are living without the Holy Spirit, you are dysfunctional in your Christian life. The Holy Spirit is important, vitally important. You know, when you look at the Bible, uh, a lot of Christians kind of do away with the Old Testament. The Bible split into two, Old Testament, New Testament. And a lot of Christians do away with the Old Testament. They're like, well, all we need is the New Testament. The Old Testament is just full of people killing each other, killing animals. There's lots of wolves. And now we don't need that anymore because we've got Jesus and we all have a great time. And that's all we need. But when you actually look at the Old Testament, you start to realize that many of the things that happen in the Old Testament were predictions of things that were fulfilled in the New Testament. And you start to see that God has a way of implementing things in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the New Testament. And now the church fulfilled or did the same sort of things, but in a new way. And the way that you are made right with God isn't any different from the Old Testament to the New Testament Except one thing, is we don't have to make sacrifices of animals anymore. Because before, before Jesus, there was a man called the high priest. And what the high priest would do once a year, he would go to a place called the tabernacle. It was this big tent that the Israelites set up. And they set it up so God could live in this tent, in this, in this place. And what the high priest would do, he would come and he would offer sacrifices to God once a year. And he would ask God if he accepted the sacrifices of the people. You see, the people sinned against God. And so what they would do, they would come to the tabernacle and they would take a lamb. And this had to be a spotless, like blameless lamb with no blemishes, no like diseases, no broken bones, like this perfect lamb. And they would come and they would kill the lamb and they would take the blood from the lamb and they would go to God and ask God if he would accept the sacrifice. And so in this tabernacle, this tent, there were three areas. The first area was called the outer court. And this was the place where everybody was allowed to go. Everybody would come and they would, uh, they would give their sacrifices to God. They would come and bring the grain that they, uh, that they grew. They would come and bring goats and bulls and lambs, that, you know, animals that they had. And they would come and sacrifice them to God. Because they had sinned, sacrifice was needed to forgive them of their sins. And so they would come and bring these sacrifices to God. And then the second part of that tabernacle was something called the inner court. And the inner court was a place where only the priests were allowed. Not everybody, so, so the, the rest of the children of Israel weren't allowed in the inner court, just the priests. 
And the priests would come into the inner court and they would, um, they would light incense onto God. And they would have like this, uh, this seven branch candlestick. Have you ever seen like a Jewish home with a seven branch candlestick? That would be in the, in the inner court and they would light it to God. And then there was this oil that they would offer onto God as an offering unto God. And the inner court was known as the holy place. And then the third place was a place called the Holy of Holies. And this place was nobody was allowed in at all except the high priest was allowed one time a year. And this Holies of Holies was separated from the inner court by a curtain. And it was the place where the Ark of the Covenant, you know, you, uh, you um, Indiana Jones fans, you know, Ark of the Covenant and stuff. That's the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. And so what would happen, the, uh, the high priest on, the, on what they call the Day of Atonement, every year he would come and he would bring this lamb, this spotless lamb, and he would come to the outer court and he would lay the lamb on something called the brazen altar and he would kill the lamb. And everybody would watch and they would drain the blood and he would put the blood in the bowl. And then the priest would walk into the inner court and in the inner court he would place the bowl of blood down and then he would go to some, a place called or a thing called the laver which was a basin full of water and the high priest would wash himself. He would wash himself. Then after he's washed himself he would pick up the blood and he would go to the curtain of the holies of holies. He would put the bowl down of blood. He would take some oil and he would pour oil on his head. And, and the, the, the representative of oil was to make himself holy. He would anoint himself to make himself holy. And he went into the holies of holies and he would sprinkle the blood around the holies of holies. And he would ask God whether God accepted the sacrifice. And if God killed him, he didn't accept the sacrifice. Who wants that job, right? Um, but if he lived, God accepted the sacrifice. Whoa. And so that would happen every year. So the high priest would come and do that. Now, the good news is for you and me, there is something called the New Testament, which means that Jesus has come and no longer do we have to have a high priest who goes into a place called the Holies of Holies every year and asks God if he's accepted the sacrifice because Jesus has come. And the Bible says that Jesus is our high priest. He was the one who gave his life up for himself. And gave his life for you and me. And Jesus went into the presence of God. And God accepted Jesus' sacrifice. And now we no longer are separated by a curtain. Now all of us, every one of us, if you are a believer of Jesus, you have the opportunity to walk into the holies of holies and speak to God. So Jesus is our high priest. But the same practices of the Old Testament are now we see in the New Testament. But the New Testament calls it a little different. The New Testament doesn't call it practices, but they call it baptisms. Baptisms. And there's a series of baptisms that you or, or, and myself, we go through as believers of Jesus Christ to experience this fullness of this Christian life. The word baptism basically means to immerse. Immerse yourself in. And there are three that the New Testament talks about. And so this is what I want to talk about this morning, about something called the baptism of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of Jesus. And the very first thing that we see in the Bible is this. There is a baptism 
of the Holy Spirit. A baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me turn to the Bible so we can explain this a little bit more. If you go to your Bibles, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says this here. It says, some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. And some are free. So in the, in, the, in the church of Jesus Christ, there's lots of people from lots of different nationalities. The high priest just concentrated before on the people of Israel, the Jews. But now Jesus has given us all access to God. So there's all of us in this thing called the church of Jesus Christ. And he says this, he says, but we have all, all of us, every one of us, we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we share the same spirit. So every one of us, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ this morning, you've been baptized by one spirit. And I believe that's the Holy Spirit. Every one of us have been, had received, if we're a believer of Jesus Christ, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember going back to the priest, the very first act, the very first ritual the priest would do, he would sacrifice blood. Something pure needed to be killed in the place of the people. And the day that Jesus died at the cross of Calvary was the day he became our pure blood sacrifice. And now Jesus asked one question of you. Just one question. And this is the question he asks. Do you believe in me? Do you believe in me? Do you believe that I am the one who has the ability to wash away your sins and give you eternal life. And if you're here this morning and you can't answer that question in the affirmative, if you can't say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you, then you are not a Christ follower. And it means that you do not have access to God. But if you can say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you, I believe that you are the one that can wash away my sins and how you have given me eternal life. Then you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have access to God. And one day you will be reunited with Jesus in heaven for all of eternity. And if that is you, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, then you have what is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus says. Or this is what Paul says that Jesus did, happened. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, revealed himself to you. Revealed who Jesus was. And he, what we call, baptized you or immersed you into Jesus. The life of Jesus. Now you have the life of Christ living within you. So the first way that you got baptized was just to believe in Jesus. Just to believe in Jesus. So there's a second baptism. The second baptism is called the baptism of water. The baptism of water. There was a guy called John the Baptist who, who would immerse people in water and he baptized Jesus one day. And it was a common practice when Jesus walked this earth. And then Jesus said to his disciples uh, right at the end before he ascended to heaven. He said this in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 19. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples and he says, Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
So Jesus tells his disciples, I want you to go into all the world, tell everybody about me, tell everybody about what I've done, and then I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. This, what Jesus is referring to, is the act of water baptism. Water baptism. Water baptism is an outward action to show the world what Christ has done in your life. It's an outward action to say, now I've been changed by the life of Christ. I've accepted Christ in my life. And now I've been what we call born again. When you go down in the waters of baptism, you, die, you, you show the world I've died to my old self. And now I've been raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And Jesus called it born again. This is like the act of the priest washing himself before he went and presented himself to God. It was a symbol of being clean, a symbol of new life. And I believe that this baptism has to happen after the first baptism. In in this church, we don't baptize babies. And the reason for that is because I believe that the baptism of water It has to happen after you have accepted Christ into your life and only an individual has that that choice to do. A parent can't make that choice for somebody. It has to be an individual. So an individual receives Christ, has that baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then they can go through the waters of baptism. And if you have not been baptized, then I encourage you, fill out a connection card, put on there, I want to be baptized, and we will gladly baptize you. Now the weather's getting better. So we will do that for you. Um, Because it's a command of Jesus. Jesus said to be baptized. So that is water baptism. So we've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of water, And then the final baptism, and this is where it gets controversial. Because a lot of people don't agree with this. But it is called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16. Luke chapter 3 verse 16. John the Baptist, the guy who was baptizing everyone in water, said this. John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So here we're told of a third baptism. A different baptism. This is the baptism where Jesus is the one doing the baptizing. And and John the Baptist says, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And you may say, well, isn't this the same baptism of the first one? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I say, no, it isn't. Because the first baptism, the Holy Spirit is the one who is baptizing you into Jesus. He's immersing you into Jesus. This third one is now the whole, that now Jesus taking your life that you've given to him. And now he is baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. Look at, look at this. This is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Jesus has his disciples. They followed Jesus. They believed in Jesus. Remember, uh, Peter said, 
to Jesus. Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Jesus says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. They believed in Jesus. Jesus has now given his life as a sacrifice. He shed his blood. He's raised to new life. He's now raised from the dead. And now just before he goes to heaven, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. He says, and now, after he's done all the other things, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. He says, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So Jesus, they're believers of Jesus, and Jesus says, but there's something else that's going to happen. After, after you believed in me, after I've given my life to, uh, to, for your sins, there's something else that's going to happen, and now you're to stay here until it happens. And then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says again, Acts chapter 1 verse 4, says, once when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized with in the Holy Spirit. So it's a third baptism that Jesus is talking about. And then what we see in Acts chapter 2. This amazing event happens. People are, are, are praying and the disciples all together. The room begins to shake. You know, they start seeing fire in their, you know, in, in their hair, you know, and it's like craziness going on. And they're like, what is going on? Suddenly they start speaking languages that they go out in the streets and, and there's people from all over the world and the languages they're speaking, the people are like, whoa, they're speaking my language and they're telling me about the things of God. It's amazing. There's this thing that happens and it, that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what we see, we see that their lives were never the same again. They went and changed the world because the Holy Spirit had filled their lives. And then we see, as we read through the book of Acts, it's kind of amazing. There's this event in Acts chapter 8 where there's a guy called Philip who was one of the disciples of Jesus. He went to a place called Samaria and who they were like half Jew, half Gentile. They were kind of like mixed breed. And the, the Jews didn't like them at all. And Philip went to them and he told them about Jesus. And he told them about the life there is in Jesus, that Jesus gave his life for them, and that they needed to follow Jesus to have eternal life. And they believed in Jesus, and they called what, what the church someone called getting saved. They got saved, saved of their sins. And so they had new life in Christ, and then they got baptized in water, and Philip was there, and they had a wonderful time. Then a couple of days later, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, comes up, comes to Samaria, and he sees all these people who have given their life to God, and it's amazing. But you know what the first question Peter asked them was? He says, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? And they answered, no. We haven't received the Holy Spirit. So after they got saved, Peter prayed for them. And the Bible says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. There was this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then again, in Acts chapter 19, there's a guy called Paul, the Apostle Paul. 
He goes to a place called Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And there's all these people who, who had been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. They'd given their lives to Jesus Christ. And Paul asks this question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them, you believe? You now believe that Jesus Christ follows of Jesus Christ. But did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And the answer was like, Paul, no, we didn't. So Paul prays for them. You know what happens? They all get filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Ephesus, they say Ephesus, the church, could have been up to like 20,000 people in the church of Jesus Christ in Ephesus. And it all happened after this event, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's three baptisms. There's a baptism, uh, um, there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism in water. And then there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. But you may be asking, well, why do I need that third baptism? Why do I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit? You may have received one baptism and now you're a believer of Jesus Christ and you have eternal life and you're like, that's all I need. Maybe you've gone through the waters of baptism and you've been baptized in your water and you thought, that's it, that's all I need. Well, I tell you, you need the third baptism. It isn't just something that charismatic Christians go on about, even though sometimes charismatic Christians go on and on and on about it. But it's not something just charismatic Christians go on about. It's something that you need. Remember the priest, before he went into the holies of holies, he got some oil and he poured it on his head to make him holy before God. And often throughout the Bible, we see that the Holy Spirit is referred to as oil like oil that comes down. And you need what I call the oil of the Holy Spirit on your life. You need it to be poured out. Let me, let me, let me show you why. In John chapter 1, John chapter 1, verse 5. John chapter 1, verse 5, starting at verse 6, says this. The apostle John says, And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water, remember Jesus got baptized, and by shedding the, uh, his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And then it says this, and the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with his testimony. So that we have these three witnesses. So we, you and me, we have these three witnesses. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three agree. And in your life, you need that witness in your life. You need the spirit, the water, and the blood. Just like the priest would come with the blood, the water, and then the oil that signified the spirit of God. You need the spirit, the water, and the blood. You may say, well, can't I just have the blood of Jesus? Or go through the waters of baptism without the third baptism? I say, no, because you're going to lie. You're going to lack. And this is why. Firstly, Jesus commanded to receive the Holy Spirit. He commanded his disciples, you wait here. Don't move. Don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. Then he said this. He says, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Did you know that you and me, we need power? I don't know about you, but we're pretty, I'm pretty weak on my own. I'm weak on my own. If I try to do things on my own, I'm weak. 
But Jesus says, he says, there's going to come a time when you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you need power in your life, in everyday life that you're living, in your, in your home, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace. Living this Christian life is hard enough by itself. And you need power in order to live that way. And it's through the Holy Spirit that you receive that. We need guidance. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about what the Holy Spirit's role is. And, 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 and Jesus said this. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you. It says, and there will even be times when he will tell you the future. So that you know which way to go. You need guidance. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives guidance. We need help. We need truth. We need cleansing from our sins and, and continual cleansing. Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will be the spirit of truth. And we talked about how he will sanctify us. He will make us pure and holy continually before God. And you know what else? We need to be transformed. Those disciples, they were believers of Jesus. They saw Jesus do incredible and mighty things. But by themselves, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't even reach Jerusalem. They were hiding in a room when Jesus died. They were so fearful. Their lives needed to be transformed totally by the Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, there was nothing that could stop them. Their lives were transformed. They gave their lives entirely to God. They stood before kings and princes and leaders. And they didn't care who they stood before. They declared the good news of Jesus. They saw people who were healed. They saw people who were raised from the dead. All because their life was transformed transformed by the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, there was a guy in the 18th century. His name was Dwight Moody. Dwight Moody. They called him D.L. D.L. Moody. He came to faith in Jesus Christ as a teenager. His Sunday school teacher came and, 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 taught, and, taught, and told him about Jesus Christ. And he became a Christian. He felt God call him to be a preacher. And so when he finished school, he decided he would go to seminary. And so he went to seminary and he learned all the things about scripture. He learned how to preach, how not to preach, the laws of God, the commands of God. He learned everything there was in seminary about this book. He went out and he became a preacher, he became a pastor, and he was just another pastor. Just another guy. And he would preach week in, week out, and he would tell people about Jesus, and nobody would respond. One or two here or there would give their life to Jesus, but his church was just plateaued. And these two ladies would come to him, these two old ladies, and they, they were from a Methodist background, and they would say, they'd say, Dwight, we're praying for you. And he would be like, thank you. You know, all pastors like it when they hear that, you know. You come to me, you pray for him, I'm like, thank you. It feels good. But every week, it would just be harder and harder, and nobody would respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they would come, Dwight, we're praying for you. Dwight, we're praying for you every week. And in the end, he got annoyed. He was like, quit praying for me and pray for these people that they will find salvation and life through Jesus Christ. And do you know what they said? They say, no, we're going to pray for you. So he got a little annoyed, and then they kept going on. We're going to pray for you. We're praying for you. And in the end, he goes, well, what are you praying about? What are you praying? And they said this. They said, Dwight, we're praying that you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And he was from, uh, uh, he went to seminary where, where, where they didn't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So he rejected it. He was like, I've got the Holy Spirit. The day I gave my life to Jesus, I had the Holy Spirit. They, yes, but you haven't received the power of the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, he turned to them and he says, well, let's pray. So they prayed and he invited the Holy Spirit to come and baptize in that day. You know what? He walked out the place the same as he walked in. Nothing happened at all. That week he was going to go to London. And he was going to go and preach at a convention over there. And uh, he was going to catch the boat from New York over to, uh, to, 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 to England. And just before he was catching the boat, during that week... After he had prayed, he was walking down Wall Street and there was all the businessmen, all the financial people, all the traders out and everything. And it was so busy. And as he walked down Wall Street, he said, suddenly he just felt like oil being poured upon his head. And he started coming down and he felt the presence of God. It was like nobody else was around. He felt the presence of God like he'd never felt it before. You know, he went to London and on that trip, thousands upon thousands came to know Jesus Christ because he preached exactly the same message as he had before. But now he had the power of the Holy Spirit. He came back to the United States and his church was transformed. He opened a Bible college where thousands Thousands of people have gone and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people were transformed, you know, up until that point. Nobody else had turned more people from darkness unto light through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ than D.L. Moody. He was the Billy Graham before Billy Graham. You know why? This is what he says. It's all because I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God has so much he wants for you in your life. Whether you're just starting this Christian journey, whether you've been on this Christian journey for a long time, whether you're young, whether you're old, God has so much more that he wants for your life. And what you're experiencing right now may be a taste, but it's not the fullness of what God wants for your life. You may feel like D.L. Moody was in his early years, just lacking power, lacking fruit. You may pray, and you just feel like nothing happens. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the one who can pray for you. That's what the Bible tells us. You may work for God, but you feel like things are just getting worse, and this work is defeating you. You may volunteer. You may... Stand up here and preach. You may lead worship, play in the band. You may teach kids. And you feel like it's just defeating you. It's because you're doing it in your own power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're trying to raise your kids on the right path but they just seem to be falling away and and the vices of this world are just pulling your kids. That's because you can do so much in your own power, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit to help raise your kids. Maybe you're trying in your marriage and trying, but things keep getting worse and worse and you're getting more disconnected from your spouse. It's because you need the guidance and the help and the truth of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you tell your friends about Jesus. Maybe you invite them to church, but their lives are totally the same. They're unmoved. They don't want anything to do with God. Why? Because you need the Holy Spirit. 
He is the promise that God has given to the church of Jesus Christ. And today, he is available for you. So open your hearts to God. Surrender your life to him. And ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You know, some of you think, well, what's it all mean? These people speaking all funny language and stuff. No. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is there to give you power. It's not so you become some crazy person who gets all crazy and swings on the chandeliers and has all good, holy, roly, good old time. That's not what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is so God can work through you in a way that you never have experienced before. Jesus says, I will give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm going to ask us to stand. And while we stand, let's bow our heads. And the band are going to come back and we're going to close out in worship in a moment. But this is what I want, I want us to do today. The Apostle Paul and Peter both said this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And if you can say yes to that, just this morning, I just want you to worship God and just thank God that you have received that baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that God has given you power and he's helping you and he's guiding you. And, you know, he's doing all that needs to be done in your life. But if like the people at Ephesus or the people of Samaria and you say, no, I haven't received that third baptism. I haven't experienced an experience like D.L. Moody, experience where God would just overflowed me and my life was never the same again. Then this morning, then we're going to pray and we're going to pray that God will just come and baptize you and it'll be like oil that will be poured from heaven so that you can do what God has called you and wants you to do in your life. The day I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the most amazing day in my life. And I tell you, it wasn't weird. It wasn't strange. It was just like the comfort and the presence and the the power of God was just overflowing my life like I'd never experienced before. And suddenly I was able to love more, have more joy, have peace when things were going bad. I was able to have more self-control in my life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working through me. And this morning, I want you to experience that as well. So we're going to pray. And if you want to just lift your hands up to God and surrender unto God, you can do that. But open your hearts up to God. And we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit will be so evident in your life that you will be able to do what God has called you to do.